Here's something you love to hear, but can you hear? You may be hearing better soon. Hearing aids have arrived. Over-the-counter hearing aids, that is. Soon, people over 18 will be buying these little helpers without a prescription. It's considered a game-changer. Millions of people suffering from hearing loss. But legal-age adults will be able to get the help they need straight from a pharmacy. Those who are underage or who have severe hearing loss will need a prescription, though. Still, this comes as good news to many of us. Some experts predict that 90% of those with hearing loss will benefit from this change. Studies indicating that hearing loss affects 1 in 8 people ages 12 and up, and half of people 70 and up have it one or in both ears. Good news for our human ears. But the biggest question of all is spiritual. Do you hear God's word? He's speaking to you. Welcome to Haven today. Can you hear me? I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're right in the middle of a series this week, Nobody Wins Alone. I don't know if you like football or not. I do. I don't know if you remember the late 1990s and early 2000s. It's so strange to think that's been nearly 20 years already. But back in the day, the St. Louis Rams were one of the best teams in the NFL. And their quarterback had a most unusual story. Whether you follow football or not, though, you probably know that most Super Bowl winning quarterbacks were stars in college and then were drafted by a pro team. But Kurt Warner took a different path. He played at Northern Iowa, a small school university that most people have not heard of outside of the Midwest. And at one point, he was out of football completely. But wouldn't you know, this no-name underdog became the face of the NFL for a few years. Five years ago, you were stocking supermarket shelves in Iowa. Now you're a Super Bowl champion, an NFL MVP, a Super Bowl MVP. What message does it send to people? I thank all the players, all the coaches, my family, everybody for believing in me. And uh, I got to give the praise and glory to my Lord and Savior up above. The greatest show on turf. That's what those Rams were called. But Kurt Warner knew that even fame and on-field success were not the most important things to life. Listen to Kurt Warner speaking at a Billy Graham crusade back in 1999. I realized that there was a reason that the Lord brought me along the way he did. He knew that uh, four years ago, five years ago, six years ago, I wouldn't have been ready for this. You know, I wasn't focused on what was really important in life. I would have been happy to throw touchdown passes and make a lot of money and do those types of things, but I would have been happy to do that for me. Now when I go out and step on this field and can throw some touchdown passes and can win football games, all I think about is how I can build that platform and use what I do on this football field to glorify and praise my Lord and Savior. That was not an easy lesson to learn, though. Listen to a little bit from the movie American Underdog. That's the movie about Kurt's life before the fame and before the fortune. I'm just wondering why God would give me a dream that's probably never going to come true, because I just feel like that's cruel, you know? 
Babe, you know what? I just want, I just want my shot. That, I, I just, I want one chance so I can prove. Prove what? Prove that I'm good enough. That's what. I don't think a football game is ever going to do that. It doesn't have to define you. A conversation between Kurt Warner and his wife Brenda for the movie American Underdog based on their true life story. And you know, that might be the most surprising thing about this underdog story. I don't mean Kurt leading his team to a Super Bowl victory. I'm talking about how the Lord got hold of his heart and made him a new creation in Christ. How he showed this quarterback that his identity is in Jesus, not in the Football Hall of Fame. And isn't that just like our God? He likes to take the underdogs and do the unexpected. So in a moment, we're going to look at the genealogy of Jesus that's found in Matthew's gospel. And we're going to see some very interesting characters, people you could call underdogs, and how the Lord wove them into his great plan of redemption. And then after the program, I want to send you the DVD, American Underdog, this incredible true story of Kurt Warner. You just heard a little bit from him. Let me just say this. You don't have to be a football fan to enjoy this family film made by the Christian filmmaking brothers, John and Andy Irwin. This heartwarming story is going to remind you how our purpose in life is to glorify God in all we do. So after the program, you need to call us. Call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or go online, watch the trailer, watch a little clip from the movie, and you can make your gift there when you visit haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And yes, we still have the Red Sea rules for your gift as well. Now let's open Haven Today with an invitation with a group calling themselves Sidewalk Prophets. We all start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. We were hungry. Thirsty, with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we were in. And just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, And these thieves There's no one unwelcome here 
coward To the prisoner and the soldier To the young and to the older All who hunger, all who thirst All the last and all the first All the paupers and the princes All who fail, you've been forgiven All who dream and all who suffer table. That's something different, isn't it? The name of the album, Sidewalk Prophets, Haven Today, and Nobody Wins Alone. I'm Charles Morris. I'm so glad you could join me today on this Wednesday. Sometimes I think about the genealogy of Jesus at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. I'm guessing you don't think about that part of the Bible too often. To use some Old King James language, there's a lot of begetting, <laughs> and we can wonder sometimes why this is important. But you know, the more I've learned about Matthew 1, the more I've become thankful that the Holy Spirit inspired a former tax collector to write this down. And here's how it starts This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, we know that Abraham and David are important. We know that Jesus is the most important. But why did Matthew begin in the way he did? Well, I'd like to share with you a little something about the Hebrew Bible. You know, the Old Testament that we have is in a different order than what they had in the day of Jesus. Our Old Testaments end with the book of Malachi. But in the Hebrew Bible, Malachi came earlier, and the books of Chronicles came at the end. And do you know just how First Chronicles begins? Chapter after chapter after chapter of genealogies, including the genealogies of Abraham and David. So the Apostle Matthew was doing something very specific when he began writing his gospel. He was showing that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Jesus was the answer to the promises made to Abraham and David. But when we closely really read this genealogy of Jesus, a couple of names pop up. 
and they aren't names like all the others in there. And both of these out-of-place names come from Matthew 1, verses 5 and 6. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Two names stick out as I read this. Rahab, Ruth. Maybe we don't think about them enough. After all, we know their names. If you've read the Bible or heard Bible stories, we know many of us their stories. And it would be strange to us if we didn't hear about them. But to ancient Israelites, the very opposite was true. It was shocking that they were included as being God's people at all let alone ancestors of the Messiah. What exactly was God doing here through the Spirit, inspiring Matthew to write what he did? Well, he was using the underdog. Now just think about Rahab for a moment. Was there ever a more unlikely candidate to be used by the Lord? She was a Gentile, not just any Gentile, She was a Canaanite Gentile. Remember what God said about them? Their wickedness was so great, and they had polluted the land so much that he made the land vomit them out. Harsh words. God's words, though, not mine. So, in an ancient Israelite's mind, every Canaanite was a lost cause. They weren't even underdogs. They were just dogs. And then add the fact that She was a prostitute. I can only imagine being present there for the story of Jericho in the book of Joshua. Had I been there, I would have had trouble believing that God would, much less could, save Rahab. You and I are made of the same stuff as the Israelites, after all. We are all sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace. And we are tempted to think that some people are just too far gone to save. And most certainly, a Canaanite prostitute would be at the top of the list of the unsavables. But wouldn't you know it? The Lord got hold of Rahab's heart. She believed in Yahweh. In fact, her faith in Yahweh seemed greater than the faith of many of the Israelites. They had doubted again and again for years. But this prostitute Rahab knew that the Lord Yahweh was in control, that he would win the victory. And because of her faith, she was included as one of God's people. Do you remember what Hebrews chapter 11 says about her? By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now that is a reminder to us all. But Rahab isn't the only unexpected name in this genealogy. Ruth is also an ancestor of Jesus. And I'm guessing you remember Ruth, the Moabitess, the woman with a book of the Bible named for her. But you know one thing I didn't realize until a few months ago? How often in that book she is called Ruth the Moabitess. 
We don't know who wrote this book, Ruth, only that the Holy Spirit inspired this book. But we do know that the author goes out of his way to make sure we remember that Ruth was a Moabite. They were enemies of Israel. And she's only in the story because a family of Israelites had sinned. When the land had famine, they didn't repent of the sin that led to the judgment. Instead, that family left Bethlehem and ran off to Moab, where there was food. They took the easy way out. Now, this may make you a little uncomfortable. We try to always take the easy way out more often than we like to admit. But in the midst of all this sin, God was drawing Ruth the Moabitess to himself. She was an underdog, the one who was considered wicked, unclean. Do you remember when Naomi and Ruth came back to Bethlehem? The women talk about Naomi's return, but there's no mention of Ruth. After all, Having a Moabitess around was kind of embarrassing. No need to draw attention to her, this pagan woman who was brought along. But God was not embarrassed. And the Lord himself decided to draw attention to Ruth. And that leads you to the real love story in the book. Oh, there is Ruth and Boaz, certainly a happy ever after tale, if we've ever heard one. But the real love story is the Lord's unfailing faithfulness to his people, even when they were faithless. And he used an underdog to prove it. Ruth, the Moabitess, the least likely person to have faith in Yahweh, at least according to the Israelites. But not only did she believe, she became the great-grandmother of King David. And even more important, she was the ancestor of David's greater son, Jesus. So what are these two women, Rahab and Ruth, share in common? They were both Gentiles, outside of God's people, underdogs for sure. But God's grace was sufficient for them. And they were saved by faith in the Messiah who was to come from their very own family tree. And if you really think about it, we are all underdogs. We're all a mess through and through. But if we believe in God's promises, like Rahab and Ruth believed, we will also be saved by their descendant, Jesus Christ. Hope and salvation for underdogs. That's all you and I will ever need as well. I will tell it like it is. I was hanging by a thread, pushed out to the furthest edge, and I wasn't proud of it. From my house within the wall, always face to face with dark. Oh, I wondered if I knew the light at all I was sure my heart would melt with fear But there was one who held me even there He is God above, He 
These eyes have seen, I know the Lord. So tell me what it is. Are you hanging by a thread? Are you pushed out on the edge? Are you ashamed of it? Tell me where you are. Are you face to face with the dark? Do you wonder if the light will ever shine again? Oh my son, your heart may melt with fear, but I know. From the various artist projects called Faithful, Rahab's Lullaby, God Above, God Below, on Haven Today. And nobody wins alone. Earlier in our time together, we heard from Kirk Warner and how he chose to follow Jesus. And when he did that, it changed the way he lived his life. It changed his life. In fact, it was all about football for so long and Honestly, it didn't look like he had much of a future in the sport professionally. But when you watch the new film about his life called American Underdog, you'll see the Lord transforming his thinking and giving him a real calling to live for Jesus and to provide for his family. American Underdog, it's more than a football movie. It's an inspiring journey of faith and family and determination. It'll remind you that life is all about bringing God glory rather than ourselves. I want to send you American Underdog, the DVD, for your gift to support Haven Today. 
Our number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or certainly you can go online and watch a trailer and a clip for the movie and make your gift there at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And don't forget, we still have the Red Sea rules for your gift as well. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? We'll meet up again, and we'll do that to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Have you ever put together a piece of furniture? It seems simple enough. You bring home the box from the store, you open the box, but before you know it, you're trying to figure out which piece is where and the instructions aren't making it any easier. If only you had something better than the instructions. But that isn't the way the Christian life is. That's what Paul said to the Colossian Christians. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. We don't need anything better than Jesus to live our Christian lives. There's nothing better. Jesus got us started. Jesus takes us all the way home. Don't look for anything else. Try out Anchor Devotional today in print. Visit GetAnchor.com.